2: including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton.
3: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach conversation. Uh, To all my seniors out there and their parents, I hope you are working on your applications because the first round of deadlines is almost upon us. Uh, it's almost October 15th. Well, it's three weeks away, but still. It's, it's close enough that if you're not working on them now, then uh, you need to get cracking. Uh, We're going to be covering a lot of things that might be helpful to you today, um, including uh, we're going to be talking through the Princeton Supplement, so anybody who is applying to Princeton and is working on those essays or is thinking about working on them, we're going to have some tips and suggestions for you. We're also going to be answering your college finance questions, and that might not just include those of you who are about to start paying for it next year, um, but we will have some good information in there. But before we get all to, the, uh, to all of that, I'm excited to welcome my uh, colleague, who you know very well if you listen to the show, because she's one of my co-hosts, uh, and that's Sally Ganga, who just happened to work at Reed and the University of Chicago and a, a few other places before coming here to College Coach. Hi, Sally. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining a show that you're not hosting and uh, giving up your your break this week to talk with me about essays. Um, Specifically, I think today we were hoping to cover a little bit essay pitfalls. Um, And the idea came to uh, Sally and I as we were going back and forth on um, a question around a student who had actually whose parents had read an essay that made the rounds last year. Um, so for those of you who are curious, um, if you Google Costco essay, and I almost want to say don't do it, but if you do, you will see the essay that we're talking about. But basically it's an essay that was written by a student who got into a number of Ivy League schools and Stanford University, which of course always gets people really excited. Uh, and it was sent around and she clearly provided the essay and allowed a number of people to publish it. And it kind of became this beacon of what a phenomenal essay and this is what everyone should aspire to. Uh, And you have a student who wrote an essay that was not the Costco essay, shockingly, uh, and got concerned because she didn't think her essay was uh enough like the costco s or maybe she wasn't concerned maybe her parents were concerned so i would love to get kind of uh your thoughts just in general on that uh and uh sally about that situation and, and then we can kind of go from there to talk through how to think about this as a student and as a parent
4: yeah i mean it's it's kind of funny because um i I think most of the co- most of our colleagues share essays with students, but I actually try not to usually because of this exact reason because i've had it i I think a lot of the times it works out but i've I've had it sort of backfire where students then think my essay is supposed to look exactly like this, or yes. my essay is different from this, so it must be bad. So, yeah, not only did her parents read it and think, well, this is the way to go, then she was fully convinced. And she actually had a great essay. I'm not going to give all the details, um, you know, just for confidentiality's sake. But it was a great essay. It was all about her. It really said a lot about, you know, who she was. It brought up, it really brought across her ideals, and it also showed her as someone with a lot of agency, with as someone who, you know, really, like, followed up on what she believed in. I mean, I, I thought it was great. And then <laughs> um, she sees the Costco essay, and she writes instead this sort of cute essay about, that, about something that happens when she was nine years old. And I just yeah. said, I, I was a really, I felt terrible. I mean, this student is a wonderful young lady. And I just had to say, no, this this essay is not, I mean, it, it's it's nowhere near as good as the other essay. Like, it doesn't, and, and actually the best person in the essay is not you, it's your mother. Right. You know, so right. so that is a concern for me. And the Costco essay was an interesting essay, Um but not one that I think most students could pull off or, or should even try to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I agree. How, how many students can write about going to a grocery store and really be sort of thoughtful about it, what it means about society and her place in it? And not many, I think.
3: No, I agree. And for everyone who's listening who hasn't read the Costco essay, it's basically what, what Sally just said, and it was kind of an extended metaphor of. Costco and her engagement with the world around her, and it you know it does work for that student, and you know one thing that we haven't mentioned, but that we really should is that nobody got into she did not get into Stanford or those other Ivy League schools because of this essay. This essay was a component of an application and a record that she had put together over three and a half years uh, that all kind of came together in this one application. And my guess is that all of her, the way that she engaged in the classroom, the things that she was involved in outside of the classroom, all of that kind of came together in this essay in a way that really painted a picture of this particular student, not Every student, but this particular student, and I could line up, we could line up, right? A um, hundred kids who got into Ivy's last year, or highly selective school, and show you how their essays, every one of them had a different essay, and in fact, could be about completely unrelated topics, could be completely different in tone, uh, and but all were successful for that student because they were authentic to that student, and that's probably... The most important piece, and the essay that you're describing that she had written that was so good, one of the big reasons that the, the second one didn't, didn't work was because she was writing to achieve this idea she had of now in her head of what the essay was supposed to be instead of being authentic to who she herself was, and that's what I'm guessing. I, have, I didn't read either one of her essays, but based on what you say.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's exactly that. Like, it ended up being an essay, in all honesty, that it was kind of ironic because she thought it was a more original essay, and I said, actually, this is a less original essay. This is more the kind of essay that we read all the time that we really advise against. You know, one of the things that I tell students is that I prize in their essay, sincerity is actually more important than originality, yeah. um be- Because I really want them to go for sincerity, to write about something that actually does matter to them, that they actually do think about and consider. And what I find, though, is that when they follow that rule, that they're actually more likely to achieve the originality that they were going for in the first place.
3: Right. It's when you try to do a trick. And I would say anything like an extended metaphor where you're, you know, because what happens is they start with the trick. The Oh, I'm going to compare my life to my bedroom, and I'm going to say how every element in my room is representative of something important about me. They start with the trick first, and then they're thinking, okay, well, what could I point to that would say something important about me? Instead of starting with the, well, these are the five things that I think are really important to share. What story could I tell that would allow me to share at least one of them, and by the way, one might be all you could write about in one 650-word essay. So, um, you know, try to leave, when possible, the tricks and the, ooh, I'm going to take a creative approach to the side and focus in on what exactly do you want to share and go from there, and it will be much more authentic and much more organic and, and sort of, you know, natural to you. and. Um, You know, I think that one of the other ways that kids get themselves in trouble going for this, like you're saying, is that then they start thinking about, well, what does the admissions office want to hear from me? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So, uh, you know, there are some examples I'm sure that both of us could come up with of bad essays that result from that thinking. I'm wondering if you have examples of that in your head that you could share.
4: Yeah, the big example that I would come up with, and it's funny because I think some people, a lot of people know this was a bad idea, this is a bad idea, but not everybody, is the sort of community service essay. Like, I hear this especially from parents. Like, I I worked with this one student who wrote this glorious essay. I mean, it was really one of the best essays I ever read. She wasn't an artist, but she had gone to an art history lesson on Jackson Pollock and gone to the museum and thought, wow, how how did he do this? And so she actually like worked on it and perfected it and wrote this great essay that, that, you know, where she was very clear that she wasn't an artist, but it really showcased her creativity and it Mm -hmm. was something that she'd really enjoyed doing. And so her parents read it and they thought this was terrible. She's not an artist. It doesn't say anything about her. So they made her write about um, a mission trip down to Appalachia and about an Mm -hmm. encounter that she'd had down there with an older man whose house they were renovating and how, he didn 't talk to anybody, but he talked to her and you know and and uh, and they said this is this is the essay. this is the one that showcases how kind she is, that showcases her commitment to community service she 's applying to Villanova, they really care about that, and I had to just fight with them over and over again that know the Jackson Pollock essay was actually the far more interesting essay and again, I want to say for most students i don 't think they could have pulled off the Jackson Pollock essay, but yep. she did it beautifully because it really had been. Like, it had grabbed her as a piece of art in the way that happens to us all very rarely. And she had really Mm -hmm. dived into understanding it. And this mission, the mission trip essay, although, you know, certainly by the end of the essay you thought, well, this is a lovely young woman. But they were going to know that from her recommendations anyway. So I had to fight really hard with her parents about that.
3: Yeah, and and <clears throat> that's such a bummer, too, when you have such a great essay that a kid has written, and then, you know, outside forces, sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's the student themselves doubting mm-hmm. themselves, um, doubting that what they have is really good enough. Uh, I think if I had one piece of advice to share with students and parents, it would be don 't read other kids essays, especially who are applying the same year you are uh, i don't don 't read your neighbor 's essay who just got into your dream school the uh, the year before and is a freshman there it's almost like there's nothing there for you that's their essay. You need to write your essay uh, I am one of I am one of the educators. I do share um sample essays with my kids, but I never share just one. I always share three or four, and all of them are very different and the point I make is. And I, I say it right in the email when I send the essays to them for them to read. This is not a template for what I need. I want you to write. This is so you can get an idea of all the different ways that this essay could be approached, and so that you know there really aren't any rules. But this is in general, you know, I want. And I'm, then I talk to them afterwards to say, okay, well, what was your takeaway from this essay? And what was your take? And so they start to understand. Oh, there's meant to be a takeaway. And, oh, I can sum this one up pretty easily, and I can see why that would be appealing. Um, I haven't run into an issue where I have a kid struggling because they've seen an example and they're trying to make theirs exactly like that up, but I could see how that could happen. Uh, And if you're someone who's going to be wowed by somebody else's work and therefore feel like you can't do it yourself, you might do yourself a favor and just not not read another essay and just tackle it on your own um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, try
0: to go it that way
4: yeah and I could definitely see how reviewing multiple different essays and seeing the different kinds of strengths that they offered and that there was that flexibility could work. I did work with another young man who had you know was applying to you know stanford mit i mean just really challenging schools to get into and he was he was really quite a brilliant young man, but more in terms of computers in writing mm-hmm. he was He was certainly able, but he wasn't gifted. Like, his Mm -hmm. writing wasn't lyrical, and he had pulled out this essay that was just lyrical and kept referring back to it, and I kept having to say to him, this isn't you. You can't write that essay because, A, it's not you. And, you know, what, what you need to think about is getting your ideas across, Like, he was basically paralyzed by looking at the essay. um, This other,
3: this example essay, you mean? Yeah,
4: sorry, the example essay, exactly, because because he wanted to make it that good. And so I had to kind of take it away from him and say, (laughs) first, just get your ideas on paper. We'll work on the language later. We'll make it as good as we can make it. But first, you just need to get your ideas on paper. You need to put that essay to the side now. Um, And finally, he was able to do it, but he was pretty stuck on it for a while. I mean, he literally had it on his desk next to him as he was trying to write. And as a result, he'd write, like, a sentence in an hour. I mean, it was... You know, it it was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do. I think that can be paralyzing.
3: And I think... Uh, you know, we talk a lot about essays on the show. We, if, For those of you who are listening and you want to go combing through the archives, there are many different segments in which we've talked about the essays. And certainly a lot of the work that we do with students and families revolves around the essays. Um, they are important, but I, I think sometimes we almost give them too much importance because they can become a situation where it can become a situation where you are paralyzed because it feels so important. Uh, and I think the best thing to do is start with um you know start with your ideas. Don't start with another essay and an example of what you want to achieve. Start with your own thoughts, right? What do I want to get across and what do I want this essay to say about me? And then start writing. And don't worry about how other people have gotten their point across. That's that's their essay. This one is for you and um and in that way you're going to be really authentic. Um, we only have a, a, another minute or so Sally anything else you wanted to add around you know avoiding some of these pitfalls when it's time to write essays
4: sure I mean I- I used to tell students, beware the false epiphany, because I find that they always want to sort of force an epiphany. They yep. think that an essay requires some sort of major epiphany, and I'm like, no, a moment of meditation, a little a kind of a thought, an inkling, a mundane observation can actually be enough. So don't pretend this is an earth-shattering moment when it is, because again, you're, it, you're not being sincere then.
3: Right. Yep. I think that's great advice. And, you know, I think uh, if you're sometimes your first thought is not the best one. So have a few thoughts of what you could write about, a few things, stories that you could tell, Uh, you know, brainstorm about each of those ideas and see which one you have more to write about. Um, If it's a topic you thought of because you thought college admissions, people would want to hear about it. That's almost the time where I almost want to say reject that idea and come up with a different one. And now the fact is, it could be the perfect thing to write about, um, but it often, that's where we start reading about the big game that you won or lost, or the community service essay that feels fairly common and trite, or an essay about how great your mom is, or your grandfather, or your grandmother. Um, and those essays are, they've been written many times. They're not always very successful. In fact, they're frequently not. And there's usually a better story that students can tell. Um, but, uh, for sure, don't try to replicate something you've read. uh, That's been, that's an example of this is a great essay because you will only get yourself into trouble from, from there. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for joining today. I really do appreciate you, uh, you giving up your off week to, to join me on the show. <laughs> Not a
4: problem. Thanks so much.
3: All right, absolutely. Well, up next, we're going to be talking about the Princeton Supplement. So don't go away.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
3: Welcome back, everybody. I am very happy to welcome my colleague who also happens to be a former Holy Cross and Babson admissions officer, uh, Kimberly Selta, and she's here to talk with us about the Princeton Supplement. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good, thanks, and thanks for joining us. And the Princeton Supplement can be a little daunting, so I'm actually going to hop right into it. Really quickly, because there are a lot of options for the main essay that common, that the Princeton Supplement is asking you to write in addition to the main essay you've written for the Common App, um, but there are a few short answers, uh, and they are a maximum of 300 characters. Very important. I feel like every year I have a kid who overlooks the characters and thinks that they've said words and writes 300-word responses to each one of these. <laughs> So when we're talking 300 characters, we're not talking many words. I don't know how many words that ultimately is, but it's not many. Uh, It is not many. Any advice
0: on those, quick advice on those? I think the first thing I tell students to do is this should really be top of mind, right? So I usually tell students, don't give a whole heck of a lot of thought to these. Answer these truthfully, and your favorite book should be be able to come, you know, <laughs> top of mind, roll off the tongue, uh, yes. same as your favorite movie, right? So I usually have students approach these pretty easily, like just write these down. But then I like to look at them, and I feel like they should be a combination of all the things that the student is. So I don't like it to be all academic, right? So every mm-hmm. answer to be your your website to be the New York Times, right, and you're your attitude right. to be very academic. I also don't like them all to be fun. So I think it's, it's really trying to do a balance here of making a couple fun, maybe a fun a couple humorous, a couple very serious, and try to make sure that you are able to answer these questions by kind of spreading out your personality a little bit. So I just sort of approach these first as let's just get these answers down. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? But then also looking at who is this person now that we've Kind of described with all of these answers and making sure it hits all of the different parts of a student's personality.
3: Right. Exactly. I think that's great advice. As I look at this list myself, the one that comes to mind, your favorite recording, immediately I'm like, oh, I would put the 2004 DVR uh, recording I have of the 2004 Red Sox beating the Yankees in the ALCS. And, you know, that's kind of a fun one, but it would certainly tell them a little about my, you know, my sports leanings that I do find sports really interesting. And I think aiming to get little pieces of yourself. I always tell students, one of the things I'd like to see in their supplement are, I'd like to learn things about them that only the people who are closest to them know. So maybe some of those things are going to be quirky little things that your friends would know about you, but maybe nobody else would or your teachers wouldn't. And, then, um, and I love that idea of a combination of kind of more serious and more fun, academic and fun, because ideally every student is a combination of those things. So right, great advice. Right. All right. Uh, let's talk, there are two other shorter pieces. Uh, one, they're each 150 words. Uh, one is about elaborating on one of your extracurricular activities or work experiences that was particularly meaningful to you. Note that they don't say the most meaningful to you, just that was meaningful to you. Uh, and then the other is, please tell us how you spent the last two summers or vacations between school years, including any jobs you have held.
0: Any advice that you give to kids on these? Well, the first one's pretty obvious. They shouldn't be the same thing, right? So you want to think right, about yes. this, what? right? Right. So you may yep. have enjoyed a summer activity. It might have been a pretty meaningful experience, but you've got to choose one of these. You're not going to answer use that answer for both. But it's obvious, but sometimes it doesn't always come through. Um, yes. I would say some of us have spent our summers doing a number of things. So there may have been some travel. There may have been a summer program. There may have been a job. So, I would pick one because you only have these 150 words to use. So, pick one. Don't use 150 words to say, I went here and then I did this and then I studied that, right? You you want to be able to give some elaboration to what you've chosen to do. And I think for the extracurricular one, many students have used an example of an extracurricular activity In their main essay so this might be the opportunity to pick your second most favorite activity or you know hobby or passion Uh, maybe using that in this 150 words and make sure you're not repeating what you've already said in the common app
3: yeah really important point don't repeat what you've already written about you might if if you mentioned something in passing and here's an opportunity to elaborate great I also think um, with these 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 are essays. So mini essays. There used to be the 150 word activity um, used to actually be a requirement of the Common App, and Princeton is one of the only schools that still asks that question uh, mm-hmm. as part now as part of their supplement. And my kids used to write little mini essays for that, and um, with an engaging opening and an, and a fun conclusion, and a you know that that can be a good way to approach that differently. Than and maybe some students will, who might be a little bit more cut and dried about it. Uh, okay. And then very briefly, uh, I'm just going to mention in passing that if you are applying to for an engineering program, you do have to write another 300 to 500 word essay about your interest in engineering. And uh, it's pretty specific about the things that they are asking you. And in essence, what they're asking for is kind of why engineering and why engineering at Princeton. So a couple of weeks ago, we did a segment on the why this college essay. And I think that is a good place to look for some tips on that. Uh, it should be not only about your interest in engineering, but also about why you want to study it at Princeton. So mm-hmm. that's that one. All right. Now, let's get to the main one. So here's what they say. In addition to the essay you have written for the common application, please write an essay of about 500 words, no more than 650 and no fewer than 250. Using one of the themes below as a starting point, write about a person, event, or experience that helped you define one of your values or in some way changed how you approach the world. Please do not repeat in full or in part the essay you wrote for the common application. All right, just in general, what are some things that you would point to immediately about that part of the, of the question before you even go to the rest of it?
0: I always highlight what is the actual question here, right? And it yep. is, has helped you define one of your values or in some way changed how you approach the world. So this is a wordy question that gets even more wordy as they give us all the options, but in essence, This is you and your ability to define one of your values or the way you approach the world. So I think students should start there. What are my values? Or how have I changed the way I approach the world in this high school journey? I think if you start there, as you look at the options and how they want you to sort of reflect on that, you can kind of choose an event or a person that might pick it, but really thinking about and honing in on what are they asking me here? And it's really about you and really digging deep into that one particular value, or again, how you choose to or how your approach to the world may have changed over your high school years.
3: Right. And I key, key there. I, I also think key point that you just made is that start by thinking about what are my values or mm-hmm. how have I changed my approach to the world in some way start there with that list and decide which one you want to highlight and then you move on to the options. You don't even look at those until you think through what they're really asking you. I think um, we give this advice when we're talking about the main essay too. Don't start with the prompts, start with what do I want them to take away or learn about me in this essay and I, I think the same advice holds here. Um, but you know, even what we did when we were, we were preparing for this is highlighting what are they actually asking you, mm-hmm. you know, print it
0: out, underline it, don't get right. bogged down in all the words, right? Exactly. And, and that's what I do too, right? I, even like you said, as we were preparing, really what in essence, what do they want to know? And yep. highlighter is great for that.
3: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So now that we've said all of that, Let's move on to the options. Uh, so option A, tell us about a person who has influenced you in a significant way.
0: What? Any tips on this one? So what I've seen in the past, um, and even this year, is a wonderful essay about the person. And I know we've said this millions mm-hmm. of times, but not so much about how that person has not only influenced you, but then back up to the top. Help to define a value or change the way you see the world, right? That's really what they want to know. Not so much about the person and of course and really not as much how did they influence you, but how did that change the way you see the world or define a right. value, right? So again, back up to the top. So yes. as you think about that person, you think about how they've influenced you, you've got to make that additional connection. It makes sense, you know. Princeton's Princeton. They want you to be able to make that deeper connection. And bring it back up to how it, that has influenced you to define yourself right. or the way you're Bring
3: it back works. up to who you are, right? Because that's really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what they're looking to hear about here. Uh, okay. Option B. Quote, one of the great challenges of our time is that the disparities we face today have more complex causes and point less straightforwardly to solutions, unquote. Uh, Omar Wazo, assistant professor of politics, Princeton University and co-founder of BlackPlanet.com. This quote is taken from Professor Wazo's January 2014 speech at the Martin Luther King Day celebration at Princeton University. That's the option. There isn't really a question there. So uh, any thoughts and advice on this one?
0: I think this one is about problem solving. I think they want to know how have you taken a complex issue, whatever it may have been, and how have you broken it down to find a solution? Again, how has that process defined a value within you or helped you see something a a problem an issue differently and approached it differently so that so it's very wordy (laughs) there's a lot going on in this question but I think in its essence what they want to know is how do you approach problems and is that something that has helped define again who you are and how you'll approach them in the future
3: exactly we're going to just keep saying that because we really wanted to think that like, this is what they want from you. Okay, option C. Culture is what presents. Culture is what pre- I'm sorry. Quote: Culture is what presents us with the kinds of valuable things that can fill a life. And insofar as we can recognize the value in those things and make them part of our lives, our lives are meaningful. Unquote. Uh, Gideon Rosen, Stuart Professor of Philosophy and Director of the Berman Undergraduate Society of Fellows, Princeton University. All right, again, thoughts on this one, the,
0: tips? Yeah, another really wordy one, right? But yep. I think, again, you can kind of get bogged down in you know, what are they saying? But I think this is an opportunity for students who maybe have had some exposure to different cultures. This may, I hate to say it, because sometimes the community service uh, Essays aren't the best, but maybe experience outside of your own culture, even experience within your own culture. Uh, yep. Again, how does that help add value to your life? Uh, what have you learned through that, and how has it, again, helped define a small part of who you are? So, exposure to diversity, uh, those types of things, I think, is, is sort of what they're asking for here. And and how has that changed again your approach? Right And defines your values, right? And I think
3: even just engaging with others. So mm-hmm. when we think about valuable things, we often think about things that cost money, uh, things that we purchase, uh, things that we own, that we covet, that we'd like to have. And, you know, to your point, I think what this is about is what are those experiences that you're having when you're engaging with the world around you? That's the valuable stuff in life. And so tell us a little bit about something that relates to that for you. Um, Again, a lot of words, but if you just go back to the top, you will find your way again. (laughs) Um, All right, option D, using a favorite quotation from an essay or book you have read in the last three years as a starting point, tell us about an event or experience that helped you define one of your values or changed how you approach the world. Huh, hey, I think I've heard that before (laughs) somewhere, possibly in the (laughs) opening. Please write the quotation, title, and author at the beginning of your essay. Um, What are your thoughts on this one?
0: My main thought on this one is if you do not have a favorite quote, this probably isn't one to answer, right? So if you're not like, oh, I remember that quote from that book that I read last year. I love that. Or I I have that written on my wall, right? If If this is not something that... Again, sort of rolls off the tongue that you have to search for and then try to make a connection to. I don't think this is the answer that you should be choose or the question that you should be choosing. I've seen a lot of students say, "Oh, I guess I could use this quote from this person. That might Mm -hmm. work." And for me, that that's not going to be authentic. And it's if if it's truly not something that you have as words to live by, or you put in your journal, or again, you know, maybe have it hanging on a bulletin board, then. This probably isn't going to work for you. So if if you are that person, though, why is this your favorite quote, right? And, again, it should yep. have some connection to who you are as a person. So being able to dissect that a little bit, what did this, when you read this, how did it resonate? How did that, how do you try to live by those words? How how have you worked towards that? Are there activities? Are there things that you've done that sort of, again, this quote can really define In a little bit, in a little way, who you are or how you hope to, how you hope others might look at you or how you hope to, to, again, you know, work and approach the world.
3: Yeah, I think... um uh, great advice. I, I, I have nothing to add on that one. I, I think if it's not organic to you, then there are other options there that you could choose. I, I You know, the one thing is interesting. Uh, the first one is really kind of a choose-your-own-topic, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the, the fourth one could be seen similarly. Uh, but I also agree that if it isn't a quote that you are familiar with and think about all the time, then I'm not entirely I, – I don't see how it's authentic for you to go and look up a quote to fit something that you've written better to just you know write something and and use the first option if if you have to uh kimberly thank you so much for joining us today and and talking through the princeton supplement with me i really appreciate it no problem thank you all right absolutely we're going to be back in a minute and uh we're going to be doing a school spotlight and listener questions so don't go away
2: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
1: If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Can you
5: truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel
1: stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
2: you are listening to getting in a college coach conversation to reach elizabeth heaton or her guest today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
3: Welcome back, everybody. I am excited to welcome uh, my colleague Shannon Vasconcelos, who is uh, my colleague and former financial aid officer at Tufts and BU. And she and I are going to be answering your listener questions. But before I get to that, I wanted to do our school spotlight, and this week I am highlighting Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, and Purdue is often known for engineering. And if you are interested in engineering, one of the cool things that they offer is a first year engineering program. Uh, So a lot of times students struggle to figure out what area of engineering they want to go into. And this program has students taking a broad range of scientific coursework, including programming applications for engineers and transforming ideas to innovation before they transition into one of 16 professional degree programs within the College of Engineering. Uh, So that's kind of a cool opportunity to get uh, a broader perspective on engineering before you narrow your focus. Um, But though it is known, it's a public school, and though it is world-renowned for its STEM disciplines. There is much more to Purdue than engineering. The university offers nearly 200 majors from art history and athletic training to wildlife and women's studies. Over 30,000 undergrads study at Purdue, and one-third of those are from out-of-state, which is kind of cool, so you know you're not going to be just with Indiana students uh, if you're not from Indiana. All freshmen who are admitted to the university are automatically considered for academic scholarships and for the highest-achieving out-of-state applicants, the Renewable Trustees Scholarship is worth up to $16,000 annually, so no small thing. Uh, schools in the Big Ten, they offer big time fun, nearly 1,000 student clubs and organizations to choose from. Uh, they are the Boilermakers, and their athletics division supports 16 varsity teams, 32 club sports, and more than 40 intramural sports. Uh, a couple of fun fact people who have attended Purdue Neil Armstrong, Orville Redenbacher, and for the um, Chopped fans among us, Ted Allen, host of Chopped. Like, how cool is that? He went to Purdue. They're all Purdue alums, so check it out. All right, Shannon, we're here. We're talking about uh, our listener questions related to college finance, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, All right, first question. My daughter is just starting her senior year of high school and will be applying to colleges this fall. When do we have to apply for financial aid?
5: Very, very soon. Um, so, and actually, just to throw it out there for, for folks who want more information, I actually, very good timing. I just wrote a blog on this very question. So, if you wanted to check out our blog, um, it's blog.getintocollege.com, and there is a very detailed post about this very subject. But to give the kind of short and sweet answer, the financial aid applications open up on October 1st. So, um, just a few days from now, I think. Um, And so that's the soonest you can apply for financial aid. What you want to make sure that you do is check the financial aid application deadlines of every school that you're applying to. And certainly make sure that you submit the application by whatever deadline. the schools you're applying to have. Um, the earliest deadlines I've seen, if, if you're applying early action or early decision anywhere, the financial aid deadlines can come up as early as November 1st. Um, I think that's that's the earliest deadline I, I've ever seen in terms of financial aid applications. Um, if you're applying regular decision, um, most of the deadlines aren't until like February or March. So you still likely have plenty of time. Uh, you can be filing your applications anywhere between October 1st and whenever that that application is due, which again could be as late as March. Um, the only kind of caveat I give to that and you know the, an encouragement that I give to families to file sooner rather than later is that some schools do operate on, like, a first-come, first-served basis with some of their funding. Um, so it's possible that some schools can be actually become less generous as the weeks and months tick mm-hmm. by, even before their deadline pops up. That happened when I worked at BU. Um, we would actually often <laughs> start becoming less generous with our financial aid awards even before our deadline popped off. I always thought that kind of stunk. It didn't seem fair to students. Yeah. Um, But so you know, it happens. So I would recommend getting your applications in sooner rather than later. Uh, Again, you know, some people get really hung up on that point and are, you know, on the computer at midnight on October 1st (laughs) wanting to be the first one in there. You don't have to be that crazy about it. But probably sometime in October would be good and that should really guarantee that you're, you know, in the bet, running for kind of the best money everywhere. Um, So sometime in October would be good.
3: And uh, the only thing that I'm going to add to that is that you're hearing application and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, my kid has to get her application in as well. And, no, we are talking about the financial aid application here. And they're not going to, if they have a hard deadline of, you know, early action of November 1 or regular decision of January 1, just to throw two out there, In general, they don't start reviewing applications until after that deadline. So Mm -hmm. the worst case scenario would be that you rush your child to submit their piece while you're rushing to submit your piece and their piece is not as good as it could be because they were banking on having another four weeks to write and polish those essays. Uh, and now you're saying, oh my goodness, you have to get it in next week? <laughs> not the case, um, unless it's a rolling admission school. So there are different programs under which your different colleges have you apply. But for a school like a BU, you, they may be working on financial aid, but you know you don't have to. They're not. They haven't made decisions on who's going to be admitted. So it's kind of weird how that. Maybe we need to do a whole segment on that piece of it because I, I just talked myself <laughs> yeah. into a but weird yeah, place. So like, they, de-
5: hmm. they definitely yeah. don't have to come together, so right. don't worry about that. They don't, you don't have to have applied for admission to submit that financial aid application. Um, you can go ahead even if the, uh, the admissions application comes a couple weeks later, but you're ready to submit the FAFSA, that's great, that's fine, you can do that, and the school will kind of match things up on their end once, once mm-hmm. they get to that point.
3: Right, but do they kind of get credit for having it in? Is it in sort of an order? Is that, you know, beneficial or?
5: It probably would not be. They would not review the financial aid application until they were actually accepted. Right, um,
3: Right. okay. So you still Hmm.
5: want to make sure that you're getting the admissions application in in you know a fairly timely manner you know don't right. wait till the last day um, because you want kind of everything to be in there uh, in a timely manner but don't freak out you know if things are gonna be separated by you know a couple days a couple weeks that's all a okay but I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't get the FAFSA in an October thinking okay great I'm gonna be ready um, you know right. in there for all the best money but then you don't actually apply to the school till January uh, You may not be in the running for the best money at that point. So, try and get everything in there fairly early, but don't rush any any part of the process. I would say.
3: Right. Yeah. Don't rush the quality of your application, bottom line. Uh, And when you get it in is going to change And there. Most schools are waiting until their deadline to make admit decisions and therefore to make financial aid decisions. But there Mm -hmm. are places where it might go a little more quickly. And if you have a question about whether that fits the bill for the colleges you're applying to, then you probably want to give the college a call and find out. Exactly. Yeah. And don't be
5: afraid to do that kind of as a general rule about anything. Don't be afraid to ask questions of the college. They've got people there to answer you. That's, That's why they get paid. So so don't hesitate to ask these kinds of questions.
3: Exactly. And it doesn't hurt your child's chances of admission if you're asking, assuming you're asking nicely. That's the key. Be (laughs) nice
5: All
3: right. Next question. My parents are divorced. My dad lives overseas. How do I apply for financial aid?
5: Yeah. So so a few different scenarios could be playing out here. So actually, at most schools, they are only ask for the financial information of the custodial household um, if parents are divorced. So if your parents are divorced, you live with your mom in the United States and your dad lives overseas, at most schools you're just applying with your mom's information and dad is really kind of irrelevant to the financial aid picture at most colleges. The colleges, if you see a college just requires the FAFSA to apply for financial aid, that means it's just based on the custodial household, so just based on your mom in this scenario, so you don't even have to worry about your dad, so he doesn't come into the picture at all. Um, now, there are some colleges, um, almost entirely all private colleges, so it's it's not every private college, but some colleges require this extra form called the profile, and most of the schools that require the profile also ask the non-custodial parent to submit his own profile. Um, and they will look at all parents' information. Um, so what they would ask your dad to do if he's living overseas and you know makes income overseas, he doesn't have u s. income, they would ask him to fill out the profile just like any dad in the, the U.S. is doing, but he would mm-hmm. just have to take the extra step of converting whatever his foreign income is into U.S. dollars when he, when he fills out the profile. Um, so kind of a pain in the neck, but, but relatively simple to do, just make that, um, that conversion into U.S. dollars to fill out the profile. Um, some schools do ask for more financial documentation, like copies of tax returns, things like that. <coughs> If they do, they might ask for translated copies of whatever his local tax return is. Um, But for that kind of documentation stuff, you you probably just want to ask the school what what they're going to need from your dad overseas. Um, Now, if you're applying to a school that asks for that non-custodial parent info, and you can't get it, I'm not sure what the situation is with the the dad overseas, um, you can always request that the school waive that requirement. Um, Now, they're not going to waive it in the case. You don't want to say to them, you know, my dad lives overseas, and I spend every summer with him, but he just doesn't want to provide his information. That's not going to fly. But if it's a situation where, you know, your dad moved overseas when you were two years old and you don't have any contact with him and he's never paid any support, he's not in your life, those are the kind of situations where they might waive the requirement. Um, So you just need to make that request in writing to them, basically explain what the situation is with your dad, ask them to waive their requirement, uh, and, and assuming it's one of those situations where you really have no contact, you can't access his information, they would likely waive the requirement in that case.
0: But
3: um, just qu- quick question. That's uh, something you want to start asking or figuring out, requesting that um, from the schools pretty early in the process, right? Because not all schools are going to make it easy for you to get that. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh,
5: yep. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly right. Process. So, yeah, right. Certainly if you're a senior in high school and you're, starting to apply to colleges, too, and you should be asking that question now of the colleges and what they're going to require. Some will require, like, third-party documentation, court documentation, or, you know, a letter from somebody... Uh, in your life that kind of knows the situation um, with your dad or the lack of relationship with your dad and can kind of vouch for your story. Um, Different schools might have different requirements. Some are kind of more or less strict on on what they require to to waive that non-custodial requirement. So, yeah, be asking the questions now so you can start gathering the documentation you might need.
3: Right. And, of course, this situation doesn't just happen when one parent lives overseas. It happens here in the U.S., and it's the same exactly the same. Right. advice. Yep. Excellent
5: point. Yeah, same exact process of requesting a non-custodial waiver no matter where that non-custodial parent is.
3: Right, exactly. Well, so, Shannon, we only got through two questions. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) uh, I know we have a few uh, more of these segments coming up, so we'll just save some of these and answer them at that point. But thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
5: You're very welcome. My pleasure.
3: All right. Well, thanks to all of my guests for joining us today. Uh, Next week, Ian is hosting, and he's going to be talking about the University of California Application Essays and Scholarships. I'm sorry, application essays. That's a big one. So we're going to actually spend two whole segments talking about the essay options at the University of California um, through the University of California system. So for all of those students out there who are going to be applying to school in California, you do not want to miss that uh, next week. And then we're also going to be talking about scholarships that have deadlines in October, November, and December. So if you're looking to apply for a scholarship, uh, we'll have some that have deadlines that have not yet passed If you have some questions for us, uh, like the segment that Shannon and I just did, send them to us, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com, or even better, follow us on Facebook, and uh, you can always post your question there. And we keep tabs on those, and we try to pull those and and answer them on the the show when we can. We have a great set of archives, uh, and our blog is fabulous. You want to check that out. There are so many different free ways you can interact with College Coach Uh, We have our website, getintocollege.com. I just mentioned our blog, which is at blog.getintocollege.com. We're on Pinterest. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, You can download the show for free on iTunes. And if you would rate it while you're there, we would really appreciate it. Uh, And we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation